Chapter Three of Memoirs of the Author of A Vindication of the Rights of Woman. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Betty B. Memoirs of the Author of A Vindication of the Rights of Woman by William Godwin. Chapter Three, seventeen eighty three to seventeen eighty five mary was now arrived at the twenty-fourth year of her age her project five years before had been personal independence it was now usefulness in the solitude of attendance on her sister's illness and during the subsequent convalescence she had had leisure to ruminate upon purposes of this sort her expanded mind led her to seek something more arduous than the mere removal of personal vexations and the sensibility of her heart would not suffer her to rest in solitary gratifications the derangement of her father's affairs daily became more and more glaring and a small independent provision made for herself and her sisters appears to have been sacrificed in the wreck for ten years from seventeen eighty two to seventeen ninety two she may be said to have been in a great degree the victim of a desire to promote the benefit of others she did not foresee the severe disappointment with which an exclusive purpose of this sort is pregnant she was inexperienced enough to lay a stress upon the consequent gratitude of those she benefited and she did not sufficiently consider that in proportion as we involve ourselves in the interests and society of others we acquire a more exquisite sense of their defects and are tormented with their untractableness and folly the project upon which she now determined was no other than that of a day school to be superintended by fanny blood herself and her two sisters they accordingly opened one in the year seventeen eighty three at the village of islington but in the course of a few months removed it to newington green here mary formed some acquaintances who influenced the future events of her life the first of these in her own estimation was dr richard price well known for his political and mathematical calculations and universally esteemed by those who knew him for the simplicity of his manners and the ardour of his benevolence the regard conceived by these two persons for each other was mutual and partook of a spirit of the purest attachment mary had been bred in the principles of the church of england but her esteem for this venerable preacher led her occasionally to attend upon his public instructions her religion was in reality little allied to any system of forms and as she has often told me was founded rather in taste than in the niceties of polemical discussion her mind constitutionally attached itself to the sublime and the amiable she found an inexpressible delight in the beauties of nature and in the splendid reveries of the imagination but nature itself she thought would be no better than a vast blank if the mind of the observer did not supply it with an animating soul when she walked amidst the wonders of nature she was accustomed to converse with her god to her mind he was pictured as not less amiable generous and kind than great wise and exalted in fact she had received few lessons of religion in her youth and her religion was almost entirely of her own creation but she was not on that account the less attached to it or the less scrupulous in discharging what she considered as its duties 
she could not recollect the time when she had believed the doctrine of future punishments the tenets of her system were the growth of her own moral taste and her religion therefore had always been a gratification never a terror to her she expected a future state but she would not allow her ideas of that future state to be modified by the notions of judgment and retribution from this sketch it is sufficiently evident that the pleasure she took in an occasional attendance upon the sermons of dr price was not accompanied with a superstitious adherence to his doctrines the fact is that as far down as the year seventeen eighty seven she regularly frequented public worship for the most part according to the forms of the church of england after that period her attendance became less constant and in no long time was wholly discontinued i believe it may be admitted as a maxim that no person of a well-furnished mind that has shaken off the implicit subsection of youth and is not the zealous partisan of a sect can bring himself to conform to the public and regular routine of sermons and prayers another of the friends she acquired at this period was mrs berg widow of the author of the political disquisitions a woman universally well spoken of for the warmth and purity of her benevolence mary whenever she had occasion to allude to her to the last period of her life paid the tribute due to her virtues the only remaining friend necessary to be enumerated in this place is the rev john hewlett now master of a boarding school at shacklewell near hackney whom i shall have occasion to mention hereafter i have already said that fanny's health had been materially injured by her incessant labors for the maintenance of her family she had also suffered a disappointment which preyed upon her mind to these different sources of ill health she became gradually a victim and at length discovered all the symptoms of a pulmonary consumption by the medical men that attended her she was advised to try the effects of a southern climate and about the beginning of the year seventeen eighty five sailed for lisbon the first feeling with which mary had contemplated her friend was a sentiment of inferiority and reverence but that from the operation of a ten years acquaintance was considerably changed fanny had originally been far before her in literary attainments this disparity no longer existed in whatever degree mary might endeavor to free herself from the delusions of self-esteem this period of observation upon her own mind and that of her friend could not pass without her perceiving that there were some essential characteristics of genius which she possessed and in which her friend was deficient the principle of these was a firmness of mind and unconquerable greatness of soul by which after a short internal struggle she was accustomed to rise above difficulties and suffering whatever mary undertook she perhaps in all instances accomplished and to her lofty spirit scarcely anything she desired appeared hard to perform fanny on the contrary was a woman of a timid and irresolute nature accustomed to yield to difficulties and probably priding herself in this morbid softness of her temper one instance that i have heard mary relate of this sort was that at a certain time fanny dissatisfied with her domestic situation expressed an earnest desire to have a home of her own mary who felt nothing more pressing than to relieve the inconveniences of her friend determined to accomplish this object for her it cost her infinite exertions 
but at length she was able to announce to fanny that a house was prepared and that she was on the spot to receive her the answer which fanny returned to the letter of her friend consisted almost wholly of an enumeration of objections to the quitting her family which she had not thought of before but which now appeared to her of considerable weight the judgment which experience had taught mary to form of the mind of her friend determined her in the advice she gave at the period to which i have brought down the story fanny was recommended to seek a softer climate but she had no funds to defray the expense of such an undertaking at this time mr hugh skays of dublin but then resident in the kingdom of portugal paid his addresses to her the state of her health mary considered as such as scarcely to afford the shadow of a hope it was not therefore a time at which it was most obvious to think of marriage she conceived however that nothing should be omitted which might alleviate if it could not cure and accordingly urged her speedy acceptance of the proposal fanny accordingly made the voyage to lisbon and the marriage took place on the twenty fourth of february seventeen eighty five the change of climate and situation was productive of little benefit and the life of fanny was only prolonged by a period of pregnancy which soon declared itself mary in the meantime was impressed with the idea that her friend would die in this distant country and shocked with the recollection of her separation from the circle of her friends determined to pass over to lisbon to attend her this resolution was treated by her acquaintance as in the utmost degree visionary but she was not to be diverted from her point she had not money to defray her expenses she must quit for a long time the school the very existence of which probably depended upon her exertions no person was ever better formed for the business of education if it be not a sort of absurdity to speak of a person as formed for an inferior object who is in possession of talents in the fullest degree adequate to something on a more important and comprehensive scale mary had a quickness of temper not apt to take offence with inadvertencies but which led her to imagine that she saw the mind of the person with whom she had any transaction and to refer the principle of her approbation or displeasure to the cordiality or injustice of their sentiments she was occasionally severe and imperious in her resentments and when she strongly disapproved was apt to express her censure in terms that gave a very humiliating sensation to the person against whom it was directed her displeasure however never assumed its severest form but when it was barbed by disappointment where she expected little she was not very rigid in her censure of error but to whatever the defects of her temper might amount they were never exercised upon her inferiors in station or age she scorned to make use of an ungenerous advantage or to wound the defenceless to her servants there never was a mistress more considerate or more kind with children she was the mirror of patience perhaps in all her extensive experience upon the subject of education she never betrayed one symptom of irascibility her heart was the seat of every benevolent feeling and accordingly in all her intercourse with children it was kindness and sympathy alone that prompted her conduct sympathy when it mounts to a certain height inevitably begets affection in the person towards whom it is exercised and i have heard her say that she never was concerned in the education of one child who was not personally attached to her and earnestly concerned 
not to incur her displeasure another eminent advantage she possessed in the business of education was that she was little troubled with skepticism and uncertainty she saw as it were by intuition the path which her mind determined to pursue and had a firm confidence in her own power to effect what she desired yet with all this she had scarcely a tincture of obstinacy she carefully watched symptoms as they rose and the success of her experiments and governed herself accordingly while i thus enumerate her more than maternal qualities it is impossible not to feel a pang at the recollection of her orphan children though her friends earnestly dissuaded her from the journey to lisbon she found among them a willingness to facilitate the execution of her project when it was once fixed mrs berg in particular supplied her with money which however she always conceived came from dr price this loan i have reason to believe was faithfully repaid it was during her residence at newington glen that she was introduced to the acquaintance of dr johnson who was at that time considered as in some sort the father of english literature the doctor treated her with particular kindness and attention had a long conversation with her and desired her to repeat her visit often this she firmly proposed to do but the news of his last illness and then of his death intervened to prevent her making a second visit her residence in lisbon was not long she arrived but a short time before her friend was prematurely delivered and the event was fatal to both mother and child francis blood hitherto the chosen object of mary's attachment died on the twenty ninth of november seventeen eighty five it is thus that she speaks of her in her letters from norway written ten years after her decease when a warm heart has received strong impressions they are not to be effaced emotions become sentiments and the imagination renders even transient sensations permanent by fondly retracing them i cannot without a thrill of delight recollect views i have seen which are not to be forgotten nor looks i have felt in every nerve which i shall never more meet the grave has closed over a dear friend the friend of my youth still she is present with me and i hear her soft voice warbling as i stray over the heath End of chapter 3